Welcome to the Nal Share with Dr. Day podcast, hosted on grokshare.com and streamed on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You are listening to episode number 10 of the Agile for Humanity Tucson Meetup webinar series featuring Juta Eckstein. The topic is Bossa Nova, Beyond Agile, Preparing for Digitalization. Bossa is an acronym that stands for Beyond Budgeting, Open Space, Socioocracy, and Agile. The definition of Nova, however, is a star showing a sudden large increase in brightness and then slowly returning to its original state over a few months. The reality of systems returning to their original state can be demoralizing if not cared for with diligence. That is why we use the plan, do, inspect, adapt cycle of continual improvement to help sustain a better way of working. Let's begin. Welcome everyone to um, the, the Agile for Humanity Tucson Meetup uh, webinar series. You know, today is just March 13th, Saturday. We're, we're here at Connect Coworking. And this is the Agile for Humanity Tucson Meetup webinar series. Where we always like to talk about upcoming events and share those facts. So uh, April 29th through uh, May 1st, we have um, Deliver, which is the uh, Agile Alliance event in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we, we have Richard Kasparowski is going to be here next month for our webinar series. Um, he was here, yeah, he was, he was just here like a, a month ago for our, our um, conference that we had here in town locally. Um, so in May 20th to the 22nd in Austin, Texas, there's the Global Scrum Gathering. Um, so that's a great event if you can get there. So we have the five Saturdays Agile Education Outreach Program where we teach high school students tech, to be entrepreneurs, we teach them how to build resumes, look for a job. Um, we have them in, in Costa Mesa and Orange, California, but yoo-hoo, we're having one here in Tucson, Arizona, starting June 15th as well. So we have that going on. Um, August 5th through the 9th, if you want to get out to the big Agile conference, there are about you know, anywhere between 25 to 3,500 Agilists from around the world um, out there in Washington, D.C. And then there's the Big Ten West Festival here in Tucson. And, you know, we'll have a presence there as well. Um, I just want to let everyone know these are activities that are happening, you know, throughout the country um, for most of the year. And as more things come up and if people have local stuff that's going on, um, like Allison, I know you guys have stuff happening out in Dallas. Um, I mean, we're just trying to be a community and we want to share back with everyone who have interest in agility as a practice. So I just want to put that out there. Um, we have three sponsors for this event. Um, we have the Agile Alliance, we have the Scrum Alliance, um, the two major organizations that really are champions for agility. Nalshare also is a, is a sponsor, provides space. Just wanted to let you know and, and acknowledge that you know our sponsors help us to move things along and give us an opportunity to have these events and to share back. Well, I think it's time for us to get on with the show. Right. I mean, we have um, Juta Ekstein, and she will go through and correct me if I just butchered her name. And um, 
I'll stop sharing and allow Jutta to, um, to get on and we'll have a great presentation today. So um, I'll stop share. So Jutta, um, feel free, jump in, go for it. Yes, I will. Okay, so you see my screen? Yeah. That's cool. So thank you so much for the invitation. And I want to present uh, today the Bossa Nova Beyond Edge of Preparing for Digitalization, which is based on a book I recently published together with John Bach. And you see already on the, the cover of the book that we really tried very hard to put all the different passwords together and put them on one thing. Um, anyway, so, but we also forgot a few of the passwords. For example, um, oh no, yeah. for example, Luca is missing. <laughs> so this didn't make it, also it's the major motivation for the whole Bossa Nova thing, because we just, as, as all of you realize that the world is so volatile and so complex and ambiguous that the things that we have done so far don't help us anymore. And on top of that, and this goes together with why I call this part the plan for digitalization, on top of that, we have digitalization, which means that every company is now a software company, although it might not know it yet. And um, that's really a, a, a new way of thinking about what's going on. So I just a few years back, I remember talking to the management in W, so I'm from W, that's why in W. And um, he said, well, he doesn't think that BMW is in car manufacturer anymore. They are actually a software company because the key differentiator between their cars and another car is the software that's in the car. And, and I'm pretty sure there is still, although this was a while back, still, if I would talk now to other managers at BMW, there are enough who would say that's not true. So I'm not saying that everyone thinks that way, but there's a, a, a really big truth within that. And, and all of that together, so the VUCAS together with the, I have a really strange sound here. I don't know. Well, the VUCAS together with the digitalization actually asked companies to be agile. And being agile in almost a literal sense, meaning being flexible, responsive, um, fast, also like nimble. And so for that, it's not enough to just use, for example, Scrum. And that's also what, what we are seeing, that then people say, okay, we just apply Scrum for the whole organization. And then they end up with doing stuff like the, the board of directors has now having a Scrum master and they're running their meetings through a backlog and and uh, have a daily scrum or something like this. This might make their meetings better, but it's not really helping the company itself to become really agile. So that's why we were looking at what really would help companies to be agile. And of course, there's a lot of stuff out there. And the stuff, the, the core stuff that we found is 
these four, beyond budgeting, open space, sociocracy, and of course, agile as well. And the nice thing after playing around with that as well was that, well, it ended up to be pronounceable with the bossa nova. The course trees, they all bring a completely different perspective on the organization. So, which also is reflected in if you talk to those different people, they would all tell you, well, actually, you don't need more than what we are doing in order to make the company actual. For example, the ambassador there saying, well, kind of the other way around. As long as you are not able to make the budgeting process flexible, adaptive, responsive, fast, there's no way of being agile as a company. So as long as you keep fixing the budget like a year in advance or so, because the market and the competition will just move um, ahead of you and you're still sitting in calculating um, against your, your Former budget. Then for for open space, it's kind of similar. There, people say, well, if you are not starting to have an inviting um, attitude in your company, people will just do their job and not start thinking outside the box and kind of coming up with innovative ideas. And and so that's the key for surviving in this world and for being really agile again in, in the meaning of flexible, responsive, fast, nimble, and so on. And so sociocracies, as well as long as the power structure is just top down and decisions are made central, you are just too slow, no way of being agile. Well, and of course, the agile people say that as well, that without agile, you're not agile. So the thing is, hey, all those four, they provide a different perspective on a company and add something that helps companies to really become natural. I want to uh, look a little bit deeper into these different streams, starting with the one budgeting. But one of the problems they are having is the same as we see in many areas, and also, for example, um, extreme programming, where a lot of people said it's too extreme and too much programming, and so the, the terminology wasn't chosen wise. And um, so, beyond budgeting, has in one sense a similar thing that they say it's actually not really about budgeting, it's more about management. And so, their definition is that it's really beyond command and control and it's more a management model that's more empowered and adaptive. However, what they also say, management follows the money. And so if you're not coming up with a way of running your know, the way you budget things, then so in an actual or more humane even way, then also management will help you doing so. So it's kind of interwoven. And the key of, uh, well, yeah, the key of beyond budgeting, and there's really more to it than just this what I'm presenting here, but it's kind of at the core of it, is the understanding that a budget as it is actually tries to serve three different purposes. And often we think of a budget like it's just doing one, but actually it's doing three different things. The one thing it's doing, it's trying to answer what are we aiming for. So 
the second one is like what do we think will happen in whatever a short medium long-term future so that's the forecast and the third thing is where do we actually want to spend our money on and so that resource allocation and it's just a kind of a disclaimer here here really resource is meant as money and it's not meant as people i know that it's kind of a low word in the actual world that's why i always feel i need to make that disclaimer once you understand that you that the budget actually fulfills these three purposes you can also look at them in a different way so for example for a target typically we look at the target but if we look at it in a traditional way more in a way like it has to be fixed so like we are well i'm in europe so heading to venice also so it's somewhere to go it's a place it's some some end goal however in the book of world something that's fixed and set in an absolute term doesn't really help because the world is turning too fast and it's just kind of outdated the next day more or less and so the, the key thing with targets is that they need to be relative and um just to give you a, a an example which might not be true for your world but I, I think it's still helping to get the point across so if you think about me being a space person which i'm not and i'm not qualified for it at all but if i would be a space person and my target would be to sell like uh, 100 units of our product um over the year and if i do then i get my bonus and which is kind of Kind of the target that people get right and then imagine i do that and the end of the year comes and i have sold 100 units and yeah i get my bonus so this is very cool now what does this really mean me achieving that target if our competitor has sold 200 units so then actually i didn't do a good job it seems the market was much better than what i did or maybe of course our product isn't good enough that that could be true too or on the other hand what what does that mean me selling 100 if our competitor only sold 20. so a fixed or absolute target is really in this fast moving world absolutely useless and so whenever you think of a target it should be relative so it can change over time with all the changes that's going on that are going on and looking for a forecast actually here we have the, the key thing where we think about the, the one year in advance fixing the budget because that's what we try to do there we, we think of what might happen and based on that we decide like where will the resources go so the resource allocation however doing this for such a long time doesn't really help so what we need to do is really coming up with forecasts way more often so more in a rolling way or at least whenever a change is happening then you have to look again is this is this having an effect on what we first thought is happening and where we spent, decided to spend the money in. And now that we see the change happens, do we still think the forecast, how we made it is 
accurate or, or whatever accurate is here, but good enough. And that we still should spend the money in that place where we are spending it, or should we change that? So looking at the forecast more often, and based on that, actually also the decision where will we allocate, what will we allocate the money for, or kind of what do we do with resource allocation has to be done dynamically. So this is kind of a, a key thing which changes a lot about how we deal not only with the budget, because budgets are ruling our business world, it also changes the way how we manage. Because now we have to look at what's happening around us and not only track according to numbers. Now moving on to um, the next one, open space. And I kind of assume that most of you are pretty much familiar with open space as a facilitation technique where, where people come together as in a, like an unconference and come up with an agenda by suggesting topics that they're really passionate about. And then they work on the topics that interest them most. And if they are not interested anymore, then they move on and work on another topic. So that's kind of the, the open space as a conference um, technique, which is also actually a good thing to use in companies, for example, for kicking off a new product development or any kind of change as well. Well, or now uh, the thing that, that people talk about right now as well, like open space agility. So it can also be used open space for having the um, a support for the agile transition. However, that's not really what, what I'm heading for here with the open space in that sense. What I mean here is more organizational open space, which means you think of the company as being a kind of an ongoing marketplace where people have a standing invitation to come up and suggest ideas in terms of features, new products. It can be also a new process. And if there are enough people, like in a regular conference open space setting, if there are enough people who think this is a great idea and they have the passion to make that thing happen, that idea, then it is a go. So it's not waiting for any kind of think tank or um, maybe design thinking session or anything like that, but kind of having this open standing invitation open all the time. And what this actually does is it's stopping us using job description as kind of boxes where we put people in, but more using the full potential of the people that they can come up and with any idea and follow their passion at any time. And this might sound a little bit weird if you haven't thought of this before, but however, there are actually companies which are run like that. So for example, WL Ball runs like that, so the, the outdoor exhibitor, and it's just like anyone can come up with any kind of product at any time. And if there are enough people who think that's a good idea, then this product is a good. So it's really full empowerment for everyone, basically. Now, uh, moving on to the surfacing. 
So, so secrecy at its core is based on equivalence. And equivalence really in, in several ways, but mainly I want to point out two things. So one is equivalence regarding decision making. And it suggests to make decisions based on consent. And consent is not a spelling error, so it's not consensus. And it is consent, well, no, let's start with consensus first. So consensus is kind of a, a thing where we try to get the agreement of everyone on the thing you want to decide upon. So it's working towards a joint agreement on it. Versus consent is looking for acceptance for the decision. And maybe it doesn't sound too strong, but the strong thing is if I accept something, it can't mean I just can't tolerate it. But it might not mean it's my favorite decision. I would have gone in a different direction. But consenting to it or being able to accept it opens the corridor for what kind of decisions we are making way further. And um, actually, it also, even if you don't go the full path of, of Bossa Nova, just this, I think, is really a thing that helps so much. So it, whatever decision you are trying to make with a group, if you just try to ask the people if they can accept and live with that decision, and if not, then we are more than happy to hear their objection. And the objection has to be brought up in a way by saying, how does, if I have that objection, how do I think that making that decision will put our choice goals at risk? So it's not about I like it or I don't, but really how I think that what we are doing as a team, as a group, is now at risk of getting done because of that decision, which also means that it's way more likely, well, it's not only likely, it's kind of everyone in the team is really happy to hear about that, which is completely different than at least how I experience consensus, where Everyone always tries to convince the one who comes up with the objection that the objection is wrong or the person is wrong and what we want to do is right and pull the person over. Whereas in, in a consent decision making, it's really we are happy about the objection because it means we seem to have missed something earlier. And the thing that we missed is really important because we risk our joint goals. And so we want to know about that. And uh, maybe one more thing for uh, decision making, and it also helps for other types of decision making actually, is I absolutely recommend, and I know that from consistent decision making, is to put a time box on whatever you decide upon often helps to come to a decision. Because if you say, okay, can you live with that decision? for the next three months and then we revisit that makes also a whole difference so just this i hope is at least a takeaway you can take with even if you don't take um 
bus and over to the home and I think she can take it for your crew only. So the next thing I want to look at in terms of equivalence and sociocracy is a hierarchy. So if we look at a hierarchy as it's shown on that picture here, so somebody in the top and then it's kind of a, a, a well, a top-down structure. There are managers appointed from the top and further down and further down, and there's always one manager being responsible for over unit, team, group, department, whatever. Um, then if you look at this from an HR perspective, <laughs> yeah, try to do that, then I think what's obvious, what's missing is the feedback loop. It's just a one-way thing. And so what sociology is actually doing, it's suggest suggesting to put feedback in a hierarchical structure by a thing that's called double linking. So it means that every group, every team, every unit is electing a representative, which is then representing the group one higher level up together with that appointed manager who was appointed top down. So every group unit team has like two different leaders, one appointed from the top, one elected from the bottom. And that goes through the whole hierarchy, meaning that you have that doubling every, everywhere. And what it does, actually, it looks at um, or addresses what we, what we have actually a great term for, like in committee managers, we always call them or label them as being in a sandwich position. And the sandwich actually comes from that, but they're responsible for information decision, transformation, top to bottom, but they also want to stand in for the team unit they're responsible for, which is bottom up. And so that's the sandwich there. And, and now, so circuitry with the double linking just kind of stretch that sandwich out by having these two links, like one top down link, one bottom up link. Hey, Jutta. Yes. Um, so we have a little chat going on. And so one of the questions was, how do we, um, what companies are using this model that you could share? I think one of the questions is. So for sociocracy or for beyond of yes. the, the, for, for well, actually, of Barcelona, maybe. So, um, we have, well, on the one hand, in the book, we have several people sharing their experiences with it from different companies. That, that's the one thing. The, if I now speak for Barcelona in total. And um, for each individual thing, there are really several companies doing it. Now, for sociocracy, it's actually more in the health sector, like Buster in, um, in the Netherlands. Well, actually, it comes from the Netherlands. That's why you find most of the companies in the Netherlands. So it exists there and it's known for many, many years. It comes from a company that's called Endenburg Electrotechnique, so from Electrotechnical Company. Um, however, the most well, most, yeah, many companies I know about are using sociocracy only, are actually more in the um, non profit sector, which is completely different for beyond budgeting. 
so that the first companies using it were actually banks. So the um, best known one is the Swedish Handelsbanken. Um, but also I know in, in Germany, like retail companies are using them. And one company that we end up doing, which is also probably, well, it, it, it is big and people are talking a lot about them. It's Equinor Formosador. So there used to be a, an oil company only, but now because of renewable energy, they are, they stopped retail that and they are more into offshoring wind parks. And that's why they are now called Equinor. So this is for, for them and for all of the, the Bossa Nova together. Um, Probably it is a company in uh, Singapore and, um, and Taiwan, Titan Soft, who is using all of the foreseen fueling and doing a lot of experiments with that. And of course, also the clients of John and myself, for example, for example, right now, I'm working for a company in the public sector, which was a surprise to me. And they are really, they're looking into sociopathy a lot. After having started with actual, and so this is kind of their next step. Right. Does this answer the question? I think so. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you. Is there another question, or should I move on? <clears throat> I think that's it. Okay, so I move on. Okay, good. So that was so sociopathy, and I think that brings me to actual, and I'm don't want to spend a lot of time here because I just assume that most of you know about actual. The key thing here for me is really that inspect and that thing. And so I just want to point that out. And of course, you might wonder why that was for. And I started already kind of because they offer different perspectives on the organization. But still, there are maybe others who which do that too. And that's really true. And so we looked at, at the time, what's actually out there. And even at the time, what you're seeing in these different themes, it's, it's not a full picture. It wasn't, was never one, and it's not now. And it's always will be a snapshot because there's stuff popping up all the time. However, what we tried to do is we looked at, well, on the one hand, kind of taking a Goldilocks approach so we didn't want to have something that's really a specific implementation and we didn't want to have something that's very generic so specific implementation versus philosophies that's kind of a, a yeah logo for us because we felt that's not really helping it's not practical in a way and i know a lot of people are copying the spotify model but in actually from my point of view that doesn't really exist because also if you look at spotify you you see almost just the snapshots and and they are changing all the time so if there is a model from spotify then it means like keep changing whatever you're doing keep changing your structure your strategy your processes everything and and that's it it's not kind of just using and copying and skills and stuff and yeah and um we looked very much into these, like the egalitarian method, but then if you think for facilitation techniques, well, now some people say, why not liberating structures or so, or, or whatever, you can also think of maybe 
conditions operate. It's just because we also wanted to look and use stuff that really do. We know there are companies using this as their strategy, and we didn't find that for the other things. So, but for open space, we knew there are companies out there using it. And uh, right, maybe I should say one more thing to the egalitarian method. So we always decided for like the original thing. So that's why we decided on beyond budgeting and not on better products, which is a kind of derivative of beyond budgeting or similar to holocracy, holocracy, which is the derivative of sociocracy. So that's kind of a, a background to it. But we did look into other things and we also incorporated a few more things than just those four, but those four are really the key these two. Now I want to shift uh, a little bit and look at how, well, what do we see what companies are using actually, consciously, Bossanova, or unconsciously, so either way actually. And the one thing that I want to show, which is actually uh, also a former client of mine, so what we did there was it's, it's an, an ERP company, but not the big German one, uh, a smaller one. Um, there, the decision was to kind of uh, think about a different way of structuring how we work on the whole product. And uh, these were, uh oh, now I don't know anymore, I think like about 100 people or so. And so, what we did was we said, okay, we think we have these different areas where what which provide a domain of the product. So a kind of a feature tech or business area of the product. And we created this flip chart saying like, okay, and now we look for people who are interested in working on these things. So people could decide on which team they want to work on, on what kind of feature they want to work on with whoever they want to work together and what kind of role they want to have within the team, like the one to uh, the left, the, the, the guy that's by himself, that's the product owner, for example. And um, so we had this just on the flip charts and people could sign up and, and they did. And there's always, uh, so it's self-selecting teams basically. And there's always that fear, which we had as well, at least when I did this the first time, that maybe there are stuff nobody wants to do because it's kind of boring stuff also. But people didn't do that. So they were responsible. And and also they figured that, well, maybe this team has too much strength in that area, which is missing somewhere else. And so it kind of they balanced them out and, and just did it by themselves. And so this this way of self-selecting team is just like kind of one first step into using organizational open space. The next step would be, well, to ask also the people what kind of domains they really are. And the next step is what kind of products they think we can work on. So this is kind of the first step into using organizational open space. And so for, for this team actually there, for these hundred people, most of the people were actually on one site. And if you wonder about this, 
we had also one site where it was, yeah, which was further away and they kind of told us where they want to sign up. However, I have also done this just using a wiki, so for a completely distributed team, so that's also possible. Maybe it looks nicer here, <laughs> like in a wiki. Okay, so this is one one example. Now looking at another example, um, well, I guess everyone knows kind of this thing, so travel and expense reports. And I think almost well, half may have found anyone who likes that. And typically the one problem that we are having is that the processes around travel expense reports are really, well, too difficult, too annoying, and and it also brings over that point, at least I often think, that companies trust their people to run like a, a million dollar project, but they don't trust them to, to um, reserve a decent hotel or something. So there's like a, a rule and regulation for everything, but it just shows more or less mistrust. And I want to uh, share what one company did, and it's a, a German software company called IKXO. And they came up with just three rules for all the travel expenses. And the rules are really simple. So the first rule is whatever people do when they spend money for their travel, it has to be legal. Well, I don't think that's an a good idea always. Then the second rule is that the money they are spending, it should be spent wisely or sensible. And it's not defined what it means. So it's just said like that. And the third rule is that people should take care of themselves. So it's not expected that they take long detours just for saving a few bucks. And the interesting thing is what the, the CEO just recently told me is that about a third of the people, and that's why that picture is here, which looks like a, a bit like a high speed German train, an ice, it's called. Um, but a third of the people is always traveling first class, and the other two thirds are traveling coach. And it's actually not the the top management, which is traveling, who is traveling first class, it's more the consultants doing that. And everyone seems to be fine with that because they're saying, well, they are traveling the most anyway, and for them it's really annoying, and so they, it's fine if they really take care for themselves. But that, that's an interesting effect, and nobody would have thought that something like this is happening, because before they kind of regulated everything, what is allowed and not allowed, then can you go first or second or whatever, last. And, ah, and maybe one more thing, because there's another company I'm, I'm aware of, they just came up with one rule. And not only for travel expenses, but for all expenses. So their rule is just, you have to put it on the internet to say, how much money did you spend on what? And so it's more or less, the peers who keep asking you about, well, was it really um, needed to spend as much there, or where where did you find that cheap, whatever, or 
people you have spent more on. So it's really kind of a, the, the whole company community is more or less ensuring that people spending the money wisely. So now I want to look at for these examples, what kind of values are actually behind them? If you think of free space. And the values that I'm seeing here are on the one hand transparency, so especially that well for the self-selecting team definitely, but also for this travel expenses thing. So it is like transparent. Then it's a self-organizing way for both of these examples. It's about continuous learning as well because people kept changing things while they were doing it. Like the self-selecting teams, they just signed up somewhere and then they changed it and they say, figure it's not working, they did something else. And what we didn't see here really in these examples, but we have others, the, the other thing that's kind of guiding everything is that they constantly look for the customer focus. So it's all aligned for the customer focus. And well, if these values look familiar to you, then probably it's because they are, because they're more or less derived from the actual manifesto. And we have also a definition for those values, which I want to bring to you now. So for transparency, it is great transparency for all involved in two directions by providing information and lowering the barriers to those seeking information. And the interesting thing, might be at least i think so it's not about making everything transparent that's not helpful at least i don't think it's helpful i i'm information overloaded already so i don't want to kind of get all the information but if i need it for especially for making a decision it shouldn't be a problem for me to get it and that's a, a huge difference whereas in in a lot of companies information is used more as um yeah well uh, an instrument for power now looking at self-organization it says use accountable cross-functional teams that select themselves and follow their passion with responsibility but we hear a lot of open space stuff in here already and then we have continuous learning always learning contribute to others learning get feedback and adapt also here with the contribution to others learning this is also derived from open space then we have constant customer focus which is focused wide on every aspect of the company product and process structure and strategy and individual contributions and people so this is these are the values that we were also seeing that people kind of acknowledge if they are using stuff like what we are having in Barcelona. We found also another thing, which is kind of a specific approach that people are using, which is mainly actually based in the continuous learning thing. And it is uh, about, well, we call it probing. So what people do, they look at the situation they're in then they look at what can be done so we call it here compare probes to situations and probes we use that because we also have in the book probes but we collect more and more from people using these kinds of things and so it, it can also mean you just heard maybe today 
something or from a different company that they tried something and you try it as well. So we, that's also kind of a, a comparing to any code that fits to your situation. Then you try and experiment, and, and I want to also say a little bit more about this, just um, quickly, and then you reflect again on your situation. Now, if you really think of this the way we are thinking of it as scientific approach, then you should also publish about your building, at least to your peers within the company, but even better, even beyond the company, so that we can all create and enlarge that knowledge about what can be done for companies to become more agile, really. Now, looking at the pros, I want to bring one example that we've just seen. And the pros is called is trust cheaper. And it goes to this travel expense um, example. So we have a background definition. So for example, that the travel expenses for seats are really annoying, blah, blah, blah. And then we come up with a hypothesis that actually the procedures companies are using often cost more than they save and they also are demoralizing. And so then we come up and suggest one or several experiments, however, what we always should do, like pre-server and audit, for example, if it's really true that kind of they are costly and how much do they cost and are people frustrated and annoyed by the procedures or not, then we run an experiment like, for example, using these three uh, principles from IT Agile. So take care for yourself and be legal and sensible the money you're spending. And you try it for a given time frame with maybe just a, a, a one or two groups and you have other groups where they are doing it as they did before, so as controls. And then after that time box, you post survey and audit. And if it's then really proving your hypothesis, you can roll it out to the rest of the unit. So this is what we understand about building. So it has a background definition and hypothesis and one of several experiments. And it's always defined in a way, or it should be if you are coming up with one, that it's also safe to fail in several ways. So safe to fail in that way that it is absolutely fine if we find out that our hypothesis is wrong because we still learn and it's, that's actually not a failure it's actually a, a great learning and also safe to fail in this way if you ask people if they want to be part take part in an experiment and no matter if they want to or don't want to there will be no punishment at all so it doesn't mean anything then that perspective. So this is what we mean that it should be really safe here. Okay, I want to uh, share maybe one or two other ideas for folks. So one is failures uh, opportunities. And actually where I want to head there is that um, we hear in the actual world so often like pain fast is very important, yet the really important thing, I believe, is to learn fast. So, and that's a, a huge difference because nobody really wants to make failures by unconscious, but everyone wants to learn and get better. And so we 
should also frame it that way. And therefore, a failure is never really a failure, as I said before, with the example of the approach. A failure is then a learning opportunity. And what what we found, and I, I can imagine you have seen that too, as long as we are saying in a company, well, we have this uh, culture of fail fast or now hopefully learn fast, but if it's just kind of set this way, but we have never seen somebody from the top saying, see, last week, this is what happened, and this is what I learned. So having role models from the top, if we don't have that, it will never roll through the whole company because people understand it's just a lip service and it's nothing that people really mean that way. And now um, I want to share one more probe you might think of or maybe that inspires you for a probe. So this is something that we heard from a bank. So it's, and it's actually, it came also after the book is out. So but that's also what I mean. There are more and more probes done and published and, and we hear about them. Um, so this is not an actual picture, but it is about the meetings of a of the board of directors from a bank. And it, this is just my imagination how that meeting room should look like if it's in a bank. I think it looks really serious banking, kind of. And maybe it really looks completely different for that bank. However, what they did, they decided to try what's happening if they move out the table out of the boardroom and have their board of directors meeting in that room without a table. And what they found was that the conversations were way more open and honest and they listened much better to each other. And the even more interesting thing, so this was kind of a hypothesis as well, but the even more interesting thing was a, a side effect that the communication from the board to the rest of the company also improved a lot because of that, because that open and honest communication just trickles down out or trickles outside the boardroom. And um, so what what you kind of see there, well, is on the one hand, it doesn't need a lot to make a huge difference. So moving out of the table is not a, a big thing. And I'm not thinking that everyone who is listening is on a board of directors and doing it there. But the thing is, whatever kind of code you are doing or change you are trying, it can be a small thing and still have a huge impact. So basically, what we are suggesting with Guasanova is actually this. And I know it looks quite similar than the one before. Let me go back just quickly and if you look to the very right. So here it says compare probes to security. And here it says define probes. Because that's actually the key thing. It's reflecting on the situation you are in. Well I'm actually at the end anyway, so that's good. Maybe I can just okay. So here we are. So that's the essence that digitalization actually we believe requires that company wide agility or 
organizations that are at throughout. And we think Bosanola just does that for companies. So, but basically, this means for a company to never stop trying, really. So, thank you so much. No, this was awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Hello, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius again. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit www.nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Nalshare.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com, a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Nalsha with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Nile Share with Dr. Dave podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness.